From the Oxano Podcast Network, welcome to My Ministry Breakthrough, hosted by me, Brian Rose. This podcast is all about pastors sharing unfiltered stories of moments large and small, of times when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens. It broke me. It absolutely broke me because I built a ministry on hustle, personality, and leadership placement. So it wasn't that I didn't place leaders in positions. It's that I didn't I didn't pass on the passion that I had to those people, and I certainly didn't develop those people. And so when I was gone, the ministry was gone. And that's not anything, that's actually saying something very bad about me, especially a guy who would consider himself a leadership guy. Welcome back to My Ministry Breakthrough. Today's episode is with Todd Adkins. Todd is the Director of Leadership at Lifeway Christian Resources. Todd is the mind behind Ministry Grid, which is an online cloud-based learning management system. Ministry Grid is what you would get if Netflix and YouTube had a baby that became a Christian. Uh, It's great resources for training your leadership team. Todd leads the Pipeline Conference every year. He hosts the New Churches podcast, the Five Leadership Question podcast. Bottom line, Todd is passionate about developing leaders, not just placing them. I loved a couple of our conversations here, one in particular about moving from being a great intuitive leader to an effective intentional leader. Todd talks a lot about bringing system, process, and structure and framework to leadership development in the local church, but doing it all in the context of relationship. We also had a great little side trail discussion on leadership team meetings and how to stop training to the lowest common denominator in the room. So lean in and listen up to this episode of My Ministry Breakthrough with Todd Adkins from Lifeway Leadership. Todd Adkins, thanks for being here on the podcast, My Ministry Breakthrough. And right now we're sitting downtown Lifeway building, downtown Nashville. Yep, and there's yep. a storm that may or may not end this podcast early. Uh, and from what it sounds like outside the room right now, we're uh, maybe a tornado. I don't know. Who knows? It's it's we're raining safe. hard and lightning and thundering. Are we safe in this building? Yeah, we're in a like a soundproof room. So it's like reinforced and stuff, you know? I, don't, I think that's just acoustically. I'm not sure no. it's structurally sound. I'm going to guess structurally. All right. All right, so we're we're here, Lifeway Building. This building's pretty new. I mean, it is in the like executive area. Yeah, this is where Doctor Rainer does his podcast. So, so. this there's this sort of a bunker anyway. So, is what yeah. you're saying. Anyway, so we're sitting here <laughs> a bunker in, on the top of the building. <laughs> we're sitting here in the Lifeway Podcasting Studios. Todd Adkins, Lifeway Leadership Podcaster Extraordinaire. So thanks for being my guest on the on the My Ministry Breakthrough Podcast. I'm happy to, man. Give us a give us a rundown. What is what is your <laughs> ministry right now? Give us your ministry leadership roles. Uh, I say roles with an S because I know you are a man of many. It's kind of uh, so we do a lot a lot of different things. So if you look at Lifeway Leadership um, currently, you would have things like Ministry Grid, which is a learning management system. Right, right. You'd have all the the pipeline stuff and those events and um, coaching days and learning communities. So mm-hmm. those are. Um, Actually, you and I are going to be doing a learning community together. Multi-site learning community. Stoked about. It's going to be good. Um, And then New Churches, which is actually church planting and multi-sites. If you've heard of New Churches or newchurches.com, that's Daniel M. And he's uh, on the leadership team as well. So there's two podcasts. Uh, 
five leadership questions and then new churches as well. So five leadership questions is uh, mostly me and Eric Geiger uh, and Daniel M as well sometimes. And then uh, I can't get enough of Daniel apparently because uh, new churches is is really hosted by Daniel and then co-hosted by me and Ed Stetzer. All right. Which is a very interesting combination. So he's mostly talking about planting and I'm mostly talking about multi-site. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, and then outside of Lifeway, you also, I mean, we all have a heart for the local church. All of us who serve the local church also have really a heart for the local church. It's never left. You've got a lot of ministry experience in DC before you came to Lifeway, but you're also, you know, serving now. Just kind of walk us through that. Well, um, so I was like, I was born in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, and that's where I was until graduating high school. And these, the churches I grew up in were like, a hundred people, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, on Easter. Uh, so it was, it was kind of you know mostly bivocational pastors in that area. Right. So that's kind of what I knew. My dad became a pastor when I was eight years old, which you know really at, at that time seemed to mess up a lot of things in my head. Um, <laughs> very grateful for that at this point in time. But um, you know, uh, figured out in college somehow that, uh, you know, I was supposed to be doing ministry, became a student pastor my sophomore year in an area of Cincinnati that is not good. I have m- many, many stories. Yeah. Uh, why I should not be here. I know, I know a real, just knowing you well, the heart of your ministry formation came at McLean Bible Church in the DC area. Uh, I mean, more, I would say that's where it came into its maturity for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd served in a couple different churches in the uh, Cincinnati area before going to seminary and then actually coming back with Eric Geiger to um, to a church just outside Cincinnati, Westchester, Ohio, called mm-hmm. Liberty. And there, like, we built the, the student ministry that we always wanted. Really, it was in our heads almost the church we wanted. Right. And because at that time, you know, purpose driven was huge. And we both said, we're going to write the process driven church. Yeah, um, yeah. And really the pivotal moment happened for me was. Breakthrough moment. What would we call it? Okay. Breakthrough moment for me. Yeah. What Will Mancini would call my third awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was when I was, uh, I had like, I built a ministry on hustle back in Louisville. So there was a church that was about 1500. I was the interim adult guy. So I did the adult thing and made sure all those things happened. But I'd started a young adult service, which is what I really wanted to do. Uh, so it's, this is late nineties, yeah. uh, young adult service, a couple hundred people to 20 ish on a, on a good night. Um, so it, uh, was going, it was great. You know, all this stuff. Well, the senior pastor at the time said, Hey, go ahead, forget your MDiv, get your, just get your mace and come on full time here. Like, let's, let's do this thing. He had been there for like maybe two years. Yeah. Uh, he was fairly young as well. Yeah. And he didn't realize he didn't have enough change in his pocket to make Ooh. that happen. Um, and when that didn't happen, because so I switched, yeah, uh, graduated. By the way, are you an MACE as well? No, I went back. back. Okay. I went back uh, in part because, um, met my wife there and I'm like, there ain't no way I'm leaving You need to kill here. some more time. Yeah, I need to go back and finish. I'm going to so. take those languages now. Yeah, I think she's <laughs> worth it. So uh, long story short there, uh, I ended up 
when that happened, wasn't mature enough to handle it probably and had met Eric and we were both mm-hmm. like one of one accord and how to do ministry. So um, I'm obsessed with leadership development at this time. I mean, I'm reading everything way more outside of seminary than inside seminary. Um, I would go to my professors and say, hey, I'll read the double the number of books. Let me contextualize this. Don't make me read that church handbook of administration. I want to read leadership It's actually engine. called Church Administration Handbook, and I still Whatever. have it on my shelf for some reason. Uh, but I was reading Nolteci Leadership Engine. Yep. This is right after Leadership Engine came out. And um, and so anyway, um, the big thing that happened to me was I went up and did this new ministry with Eric. It was awesome. Everything was great. And I come back to my church six months later to that ministry, and there was like 50 people there. So you left? It, I left that ministry that I'd started. Mm-hmm to go because I didn't get the, I didn't get the yeah. role. And yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to stick around here doing the, the interim guy, thing. I, be, yeah, yeah. I go up there, things are going great. I, my job at that point is our, uh, our student leaders and our adult leaders. I'm like the, you know, the, the, uh, we said, Hey, we want people to love Jesus, love others, lead others to love Jesus. I was in charge of the last two. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that I was obsessed with was leadership development. I mean, I was taking kids, students through, 21 laws. I'm not joking. 21 <laughs> you, you were laws. You dropping some Maxwellisms on. No, Oswald and Sanders. So Sanders yeah. Spiritual Leadership, yeah, they both have like 20 some chapters. Yeah, yeah. If you actually read the scripture that's in Sanders, it's it, there's an insane amount of depth yeah. there. It's huge. And so like I'm Mr. Leadership guy then. But what I didn't realize until I went back was I had built that former ministry. When I go back and see there's only 50 people there, I mean, half the time I talk about it, I do get fairly emotional because it broke me. It absolutely broke me because I'd built a ministry on hustle, personality, and leadership placement. So it wasn't that I didn't place leaders in positions. It's that I didn't I didn't pass on the passion that I had to those people, and I certainly didn't develop those people. And so when I was gone, the ministry was gone. And that's not anything, that's actually saying something very bad about me, especially a guy who would consider himself a leadership guy. And so that is when the switch flipped, the switch flipped for me about leadership development, my breakthrough moment when I said, Oh, you know, Hey, I'm great about talking about Ephesians four, but am I practicing Ephesians four? My one job is to equip the saints, the work of the ministry. And I didn't do my one job. My one job was not to build a young adult ministry of 200 people. My one job was equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and that it may go forward and it may go on. And those people would make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so that was like it for me. And it's never been the same since. I don't know that there wouldn't be any pastor or ministry leader listening to this podcast now that wouldn't agree with you in principle. Yes, that's our one job. I think there are a lot that go but I don't know how to do that on the one hand. On the other hand, but we're not being measured. You know, a pastor's not walking into the board or the staff or the deacons or the, I mean, whatever that is, that that accountability and says, they're not being measured on development. They're being measured on, okay, how many, how many service, how many are coming on on Sunday night? How many are coming to this new thing? Or how many leaders do you need? You know, versus like, I don't know. Give me some handle for for leaders listening on. Okay, so what does this actually look like for them? Because I think they all agree in principle, but 
It's sometimes so hard okay, to figure so, out how do we actually do that? So here's the thing. If you can't testify, if you can't tell me, so here's what happens with, with most of us is we, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's by grace we've been saved, we become mm-hmm. a disciple. And then if we're lucky, we're at a church where we're called into more than that. We're called into maturity and using our gifts and service to Christ. And we figure out Ephesians 2.10, mm-hmm. I'm God's workmanship, and he right. has specific things and plans that he wants me to do. However, for most of us, it stops there because most people aren't going to go to seminary, even if they're coming on church staff, especially these days. Their groups guy becomes their groups guy because he was a great groups leader. And nobody practices pipeline philosophy and framework and helps that guy make this turn and shift from leading others to leading a ministry. Mm-hmm. There is a shift that has to take place. And most of us never make the mind shift that takes place or the heart shift that has to take place when we move to seeing our job as development. So we become professional doers. Right. So one of the things that we do uh, when we're when we're walking people through pipeline, we're on a coaching day or something, Mike, tell me the 20 ways you spent your time this week. And so I gloss over Ephesians 4 because these guys, most of them are preachers, and they're like, hey, I, I can preach this about five times better than yeah. you, and they're yeah. probably right. And and they probably preached it way more than me. But that's not the issue. Uh, the issue is whether it's had any practical implication on how they spend their time. So I'm like, hey, how do you spend your time in a given week? Okay, now I'm going to Jesus juke you a little bit here, and I'm going to ask you um, how much of that time was spent doing versus developing? Because most of us in the pastorate, we become professional doers when our job is development. So if you tell me how you spent your time and you don't buy into the lies of Satan and try to rationalize, oh, this is development. Oh, my preaching is development. Is yeah. your preaching really yeah. development? Is the way you're spending your time, is that really development? Is it really equipping or, or something different? And so we have a tendency to try to rationalize what we want to believe or what we want to feel. And I would say, don't give in to that temptation. At the same time, we would have administrators in the church or professional positions, what we would term professional positions like music or graphics Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, you don't get a pass. You do not get a pass just because your job is supposed to be administrative. There's always something that you can do to multiply yourself in someone else. So how does that Always. look? Let's let's come back to the let's come back to the preaching and preparing to preach and all that. Switch me from being a doer to developer. If I'm a, if I'm a pastor right now, how does my preaching? How does my preparation for Sunday? Arguably, the thing that matters the most from an outside perspective, from a from a butts in the seat perspective, like the thing that I'm judged on the most. I'm going to get the most emails as a pastor <laughs> on how things go on Sunday, right? Whether I said something or didn't say right. something. How does that become a developmental task right? and not just a, a doing task? Purpose. So it's, it's about, it's about the, the what is the purpose of your preaching, okay? Is it the purpose of your preaching to get butts in seats or is the purpose of your preaching to move people forward in their maturity in Christ? And so the only way you can do that is being intentional about it. So I lead the leaders, I lead the um, internship program here at Lifeway. There's over a thousand college students that apply to this. I've got 30. And the very first thing I say to them is, you are here because you're a leader. Now, most likely. Now you're an intern. Now go do some stuff. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I know. I'm just kidding. 
You're here <laughs> most likely because you are an intuitive leader. Right. Right. My job over the next 10 weeks is to help you become an intentional leader mm. so that you make the most impact in the kingdom that you possibly can. Because, and see, because in most of our pastors, if their church has grown, if it's because, well, one, God is blessed, and two, you're probably an intuitive leader. But how much better would it be if you were intentional? Think about the two or three guys, men or women of God, that made you who you are today. Yep. Now, was that, was it intentional or not? In my case, only one of those was intentional. The rest were just relationships that God happened to put in place. Yeah, and yeah. But I want to think, well, how much better would it be if they were intentional? How I, much better would it be if I if somebody gave me a map instead of a menu? Yeah, or, or if that intentionality, if I understood or was led to, understood, to understand that intentionality behind it. I think, I think if I look at the two or three guys, I could say, two of the three were highly intentional. I don't know that I knew it. Right. And I don't know that it they were intentional about me replicating it. Right. So they're, they were intentional in, in, in shaping me, but they, I, I wouldn't say they were intentional in shaping me so that I knew it, which would be a critical piece of it. And I could help somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, you know, I think a lot of pastors like are, are in that spot though. I know I need to develop people. I want to develop people. I have been developed or maybe I haven't been developed and I don't know how to pass that along. So that's why system and process matters. That's why you have to have right. structure and framework in there. That's why you have to have those pieces in there. Um, and, and, and I think sometimes uh, it's that slow down to speed up. We have to, we have to stop and sharpen the ax uh, or else we're not going to be as effective over time. And, and uh, maybe, maybe you've seen it differently than me, but it's just the pace of what we have to get done interferes with, you know, right. what we know we need to do. No, um, Sunday's always coming, yeah. and I get that. But the other thing to recognize is that if you look at where we are today in the church, um, you see, well, two things have changed. One, the number of times people come to church on a given uh, month, in a given month is what they used to come in a given Sunday, yeah. for yeah. crying out loud, or a given week. Yeah. Um, 30, 40 years ago. And so church practices also changed to where, you know, you had some of the mainline denominations that were super strong, including Baptists, where you know, they had things like training union and discipleship on uh, Sunday nights. And that stuff is not going to come back again, let's face it. Um, but that basic discipleship and development is gone. We moved from a map to a menu mentality where mm -hmm. people choose what's right in their own minds. And so we have a lot of people that are 20-year-old baby Christians. They've been in the faith for 20 years, but they've never gone through any— I'm not saying you have to go through systematic theology. I'm saying you have to grow in some of the core uh, competencies of the faith, um, let alone core competencies of leadership. In our introductory episode to this podcast, I sat mm -hmm. down with Will Mancini, and he talked about um, at, at, a, at a kind of a, an extended level out there that without this breakthrough clarity, without these moments of breakthrough that you just described and that kind of every pastor, we, we tend to avoid because it requires chaos. It requires right. heartbreak. It requires that moment when you step back in and saw that what you had built and been so proud of wasn't anymore. It requires those moments. And we try to run from those moments. But without those moments of breakthrough, without leading from clarity, 
then you know nobody's nobody's responding to that. People respond to clarity. They respond to that clear calling. This is what we're here to do. And many times, a week to week basis, it's just well, we've got to make sure these pieces are in place. And so I, I think that's a cultural thing we see now, where you know we've got we've got leadership ability, but we don't have leadership clarity. Right. And, and leadership clarity comes from those breakthrough moments, which are required in some ways to go through what we call the tunnel of chaos and some brokenness and some hurt um, and some intentionality and some and some development. Well, I think what's important is something you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, sharpening of the axe. It's important to, I mean, and I would talk about the acts of clarity or acts of communication. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's when we look at pipeline or something like that, it's really clarity in our structure, our strategy, our systems, yada, yada. It's why clarity is so important because we only get people so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. Number two, they are inundated with noise throughout their days and even throughout your service. I mean, even throughout the yeah. time that you're spending there, because yeah. they have their phone with them, they are hearing. Yeah. There's, they're surrounded. So and if we've kind of made have, it okay. Like, open your devices, open your Bibles, right? We kind of made it okay for them to be on their phones, right? And most of us have a tick that if we're on our phone, we're going to flip over to that. We're going to, yeah. And and, and so to say, um, we used to be able to count on, you know, getting all this extra time to chop down the tree. Whereas now your axe better be sharp as you can possibly yeah. make it with clarity. And every whack you take is vitally important. And every single one matters. And you better make sure that you know that you're hitting the mark. That's great. That's great. Hey, listen, I know, uh, you know, you guys on your team there's, there's a lot of innovation that happens up here. There's a lot of innovation that happens in this building, always, you know, seeking to serve the church, have this contagious passion for the bride, doing one more thing, uh, as, as, as we know we're, we're called to do here. Uh, what's one big risk you're taking or far-fetched idea you're exploring right now? What's something, give us a little bit of, of, of ministry on the edge for you. I mean, ministry on the edge for us is really trying to um, address a church in the digital age when we recognize that spiritual transformation occurs in the context of a relationship, yet we're getting less and less time to, to do so. So it used, yeah. again, you know, if you look at what used to be and what is now, so even in the last six years, well, really not six years, that's how long I've been here, but Ministry Grid has been around for like four, four and a half. Okay. Um, the original research that went in like six years ago said that, People, you get 75% of people to watch a training session. Um, if you went out to 15 minutes, you'd get 75. If you go out to uh, 20, it drops off to 50, so on and so forth. Right. Um, that same research uh, reinstituted five years later says you get eight minutes. Yeah. To do the same thing. Eight to 10, really. But... But still, it's almost cut in half the number of people. If you want to get 75% of the people, the maximum, if you're looking at the, you know, where those two lines overlap, where you're going to get the maximum amount of people for the maximum amount of time, that's where us. The interesting thing is you used to be able to get people uh, from an entertainment standpoint, um, they would watch up to 
three minutes. Now it's in the 40 seconds. 40 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it used to be three minutes back to 40 seconds yeah. for entertainment. The yeah. only reason why we get the liberties we do is because it's a training education-based thing. Yeah. We should tell our pastors a lot about how, well, how, how much time they preach. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> I, like what, in your mind, what if this is a, what if that statistic, what if that kind of shift in culture is applicable to the average pastor right now? What do they need to be thinking well, about because of that, the implications of that. So implications with the, of that would be, you know, when you think about training, you can't have a 45 or an minute hour long training that has three points. Yeah. You need to have a eight to 10 minute training that has one point. Yeah. So, so those big training nights we used to have with, with 45 minutes of main, you're saying, hey, listen, you got 10. Get yeah. in and out in 10. And recognizing that people are used to personalization now more than ever. And whatever you can do to personalize things is, is super important. So give me a give me a picture of that. So how, how would a leader person how would a pastor personalize? Okay. So if you're looking at training, for instance, uh training used to be, hey, you know, for the next six weeks, good gracious, that was those were the days. Uh then it moved to, hey, we have a training this year. It's half a Saturday. Yeah. Every, yeah. All our small group leaders come. Yeah. Well, what ends up happening when you do that format, when you do one to many, when you do one to rows, mm-hmm. um, you're training to the lowest common denominator in the room. That's right. all, that's what your choice is. So yeah. what you're telling your leaders, especially your leaders who have been around for a long time, oh, well, you know, Tune this come, part again, out, come again, yeah. come again, come uh, again. I hear the same thing over and over and over So again. important. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be yeah. big this time, but it's, they But know. it's not. Yeah. And so what we would say is vitally important is to flip the classroom. If you're not familiar with flipping the classroom, it is an absolutely amazing thing that happened about almost 10 years ago. Is that uh, a book? Is that a... No, it's a concept. Um, Khan Academy, if you're familiar with Khan Academy, uh, made it kind of famous, but they're not. he's not the guy that did it. So these two guys, I think it was in Spell Denver. Spell Khan. Uh, K-A-H-N. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he developed this thing. It was supposedly, you know, the story was to to teach his uh, nephew or niece math, and he was a, a teacher, and it worked really well. Well, that's great, and Khan Academy is awesome, uh, but there's two guys that basically they were in inner city schools, and they were math teachers, and they couldn't figure out, like, everybody had horrible scores and, you know, completely uh, – messed up socioeconomics, all this, all these things. So they said, Hey, um, almost everybody has some type of device. And if not, we're going to get, you know, somebody to give us a stipend and, and, and get one. Um, but what they did was they filmed their lecture. They flipped the classroom. They sent the lecture home as homework. Why? Because, well, the problem with homework was, um, some of these kids didn't have, most of these kids didn't have somebody that could help them. So it was either, um, they didn't, the parent didn't know how, uh, the parent didn't care or the parent wasn't there. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, this is not doing us a ton of good. So they sent the lecture home with the student and then they did the homework in class. What you do in that situation is you move from rows to circles. So when we talk about think circles, not rows, it's one of the things we're talking about because every person around that table now if you move to a, a, a circle table kind of format, everybody around that table has a different level of competency or learning about that. Mm-hmm. What they found was the teacher, instead of being the sage on the stage, is now the guide on the side that can have deep conversations with people that are having major problems. But what it also did was 
it actually improved the test scores of the smarter kids in the classroom as well because now they're becoming the teachers and they're helping their fellow students walk through the math problems and get deeper and deeper. What this looks like in the classroom, uh, I'm sorry, in the church is is an amazing thing. So think about that same small group yeah. leader training we talked about. Um, and we're handling a core competency of anybody in our church, whether they're a small group leader or they're leading ushers, they've got to know how to lead through conflict on a team. So conflict yeah. management on yeah. a team. So if that's the competency we're working on, even if we shared the same lecture, if we want, we can do advanced level and give people different lectures. But even if they shared the same lecture, we can walk them through a series of questions that will lead to the group processing that question. So, for so instance, you're saying like, hey, listen, here's the here's the the three points of the training. Here's this 10 minute video link through ministry good or something. Here's a one point of training. Yeah. One point. Yeah. One point. One point. We're going to, we're going to give you the same uh, framework that we do use for all our curriculum. So Lifeway is very focused on uh, curriculum, obviously. And I would say we do that better than anybody, but we're walking you through what are the general implications? What are the personal implications? Mm. What are the applications? Uh, like it, it goes through a process of moving from broad, how would right. this make somebody feel, to what if it was me, to how you know what how would I apply this now to my what do life? I do with it, right? Now what do I do with it? And then we're still not done because we need to have feedback as part of that mm-hmm. loop as well. So and then after feedback is actually actualization. So that's why when you look at that whole framework. Everything that we do, like on grid, as an example, has that same framework because I want you to have coaching questions. Remember, I said I'm not trying to digitize development. I want the good and godly people in our churches. So I'm the result of good and godly people in nowhere, Kentucky, who couldn't, they wouldn't even know what a coaching question was. Right. But somebody had given them back in the day a a, a framework to walk through, a series of questions to walk through. And because of that, my dad became a pastor. Because of that, I grew in my faith. And we've kind of lost that. We've turned it into anybody can lead a group that can press play or anybody yeah. can do. We tried to lower the bar. We lowered the bar so, so we much. get more participants. Yeah. Placement. We've placed more people by lowering the bar, but we haven't really developed. Right. And it. so I'm sorry. Let me go back super fast to wrap up uh, flipping the classroom is everybody around that table has a different level of competency and experience in dealing with conflict. And so as a new person or even a person who's been around a while, mm-hmm. as we share, um, the next time I have a major issue in my group, I'm much like, less likely to call the pastor. Yeah, I'm going to call my coach that was at my table or I'm going to call another uh, leader that was at my table mm-hmm. that I remember he had really good insight about X. Yeah, And so everybody is m- very much more valued. Um, in addition to having my training session, hey, I just had an amazing, I built community. I had, yeah. you know, allow people to have fellowship. I, I did all these things. So it's to say, if you're going to gather people together, uh, it's a much stickier way to do that where we're recognizing all, everybody has a different level of learning. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to add value to everyone. And part of some people adding value or being valued is adding value. Does that make sense? No, it's great. I, I in in my head, I'm picturing just a a, a revolutionary new way to approach those leadership. Because I still think you have to have those leadership nights, but now there are leadership nights where everybody's learning from everyone else, based on 
you know. Yeah. Or or it allows me to say, hey, I want you to process this. Yeah. And then so like one of our uh, one one of a, uh, a church planner down in. Uh, well, he's not a church planner. There's a there's a guy who's maybe six years into his church. plan. It's always interesting to me that guys who launch churches successfully and they're like six or 10 years in are still calling themselves church planners. Yeah. Yeah. That, cause, cause you know, in their mind, yes, it may, maybe PTSD or it may just be, <laughs> it may just be a, I think a, they like identifying. Yeah. I'm like, how long are you going to be yeah. able to do this? How long can you call yourself? You've got planner? three campuses, <laughs> you know, but anyway, in two um, books, you're not a church planner anymore. So he does something that I think people will go, <gasps> he, he, puts his new members class on there and sends it out to people. Like people, like new people that are new members, people that are right. new members. coming. Yeah. The difference is there is a coach with all of those people. And mm-hmm. once they watch that content and answer some questions, you know, that kind of thing, then they meet for dinner or they meet for coffee and they walk through some of those things and in a systematic way. So yes. it, that's huge because listen, uh, nobody needs it's another sticky. meeting at the church. Nobody, but the ability to go have coffee or go have dinner with someone from the church. Yes, I mean you, you're gonna make time for that. The average church attender is gonna make time right. if there's someone that's caring for them. They're gonna go to a coffee. They're gonna go to a dinner. They're they're not gonna be that inclined to go to another meeting. So get the content. Right. Get the core content you want to communicate out ahead of time through a vehicle like ministry grid and then have the coach talk about that application i love that 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 changes that's a game changing in our culture today and and so for me you know what i would really the way i would tie it back into you know the very nature of this podcast is there probably there there are um oh man how do i say this there are way more breakthrough moments that um, don't make it. I mean, they yeah. don't make it yeah. through to actualization. Yeah. So yeah. you may, I mean, think about, you know, conferences you went to, through and you had kind of mm-hmm. had a breakthrough moment, but then you got back and just the weight of ministry, the weight of the world. Sunday coming. Sunday yeah. coming. Yeah. It, it, it takes that away from you. The difference is making sure that your breakthrough moment actually it gets implemented. It does become actualized and transformation happens. And the way that it usually happens is through not only knowledge, uh, but experience and, and coaching. There has to be, in my opinion, many times that's going to be done in the context of a relationship. It doesn't have to be this crazy formal thing yeah, yeah. or this crazy formal process. But if you don't if you're not sharing that with someone and you're not walking through at least that with someone, then it's gone. yeah, it's gone. It's going to, it's going to be back as much as you're going to go back to that notebook that you took the notes in. Right. And, and so I think, I think maybe a, a good practice here then for a pastor going to a conference is saying, Hey, listen, Hey Todd, I'm about to go to this conference next week, man. I'd love to sit down with you when I get back and tell you about it or, or maybe tell having somebody that's just, I don't, I'm, am I, am I getting too nuts and bolts practical and saying, no, I don't think you can get too yeah, nuts and bolts. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if I'm a pastor and I have a, I have a team and we have these young, these young leaders that want to go to the next conference, right? They, they kind of see right. that. That's great, man. I, I yep. You, you've got the budget for it. You've got the time for it. Go to this conference, but know when you come back, 
here are the questions we're going to walk through. Right. I mean, that, that, that seems to be a good practice to begin instilling in some churches of saying, hey, listen, we can go do these things. We can, we can acquire this learning. But unless we're taking intentional steps to apply it and actualize the learning, well, there's going to be, you know, different kinds of staff people that you have to work with. I mean, some people yeah. are going to be like your, hey, this guy's a poser or a prodigy. I'm not really sure yet. Uh, mm-hmm. And some are going to be like a workhorse tried and true. They're, you know, like it's almost set it and forget it. Yeah, yeah. And you have to treat those people differently. So in order to get breakthrough with a workhorse person, I'm going to have to stretch them in a different way than I am yeah. this prodigy kid over here. The prodigy kid it has to do exactly what you said because we've got people on our teams that the last book they read completely changed their life. and Just like the last one before yeah, that. Just like the last one before that. And they yeah. only read, luckily they only read one book every like six months. So yeah. that's really helpful. Um, but then you've got other guys who, you know, they just have a head down and they want to keep doing what they're doing and, you know, change is super scary and all that. And so those people are going to reach breakthrough in a different way. And we have to be, that's going to occur in the context of relationship because in the workhorse person, I'm going to have to push them. I'm going to have to stretch them uh, in a different way than I am the other guy. Yeah. But if I want them to break through, I got to have, they got to have somebody stretching them. Yeah. I love that. It's good stuff. Hey, quick, let's land, the, let's land the plane on, on three quick questions. Okay. Uh, what's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God? Uh, repentance. Okay. If you're not repenting of something daily, uh, it means that your heart is probably callous because mm. you're telling me you didn't sin today. So I mean, you ask, you ask a question every morning or, or every night yes, hey, what, or multiple times a day. Like, what do I what's need? What's the question re- you ask yourself? What's the question you ask God on behalf of yourself? Um, I'm going to say like, what do I need to repent for today? Because I know that if there's seasons in my life where I haven't, you know, practice that daily. Like I'm scared to death, dude. I'm scared to death because I look around me and I see tons of guys who started ministry with me that I thought were more godly that I would say, I wish I had the prayer life they did, or I wish I had the marriage they did, or I wish I had the fill in the blank that they're selling houses today and they're selling houses or cars. Yep. Not that there's anything wrong with selling houses or cars. There's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, that does seem to be a pattern. Yes. That I see. You're like, you're going to go sell something the, other than the gospel now. The two things that, that I think are deadly for us as pastors and church leaders is when, one, we compartmentalize our life yeah. and we have our, we, we, we think, oh, that's this part of my life and I have, yep. have my church life and my home life or have this yeah. and that. Yep. That's deadly. Uh, but I would say even deadlier is not having daily repentance mm. because if you don't, continually soften your heart before the Lord, it's it's going to go callous and that callous is going to get thicker and thicker and thicker and you're going to find yourself in a very, very bad place. Yeah. Yeah. The moment that it finally, the Lord does finally break through, it's going to be pretty dramatic. Um, one of the best, actually one of the best questions uh, I've heard asked recently was um, I was having a conversation with Gallaty, Robbie Gallaty, mm-hmm. and he said, um, he has people ask him and he asks his, his close guys, um, what is, did I do anything, um, in the last week that I would have embarrassed my family would that would have embarrassed my family or God? Did I do anything in private or secret that would have embarrassed my, you know, my wife and family? So he, he coaches his guys yeah. to ask themselves that question. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. what is what is yeah. the thing? Because and they discuss it out loud. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's super high accountability. Mm-hmm. What's what's the next question? If you go back to your first year of ministry and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? <laughs> Call the back cops. Back to Cincinnati. Call yeah. the cops <laughs> and tell them you're there. <laughs> Let them know you're doing a lock-in, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, those guys were, the yeah. police in that area were great. Yeah. And I never got a ticket in college because but what would be the what would be the learning for someone who's in their first year of ministry <laughs> okay. who may not be in that part of Cincinnati? Uh, for first year of ministry, uh, I would say, you know, whether you're in your first year or 40th year, be humble enough to ask for feedback. Mm. Um, humble enough to ask for feedback because, you know, when you're first starting out, you're embarrassed to ask or you don't want to ask. You want to act like you've got it all together. Or you're professional, you know. Yeah. You're an adult. Yeah. And um, you're scared to ask. And then You actually thing. gain more leadership credibility asking for help in the right way than you do not asking at all. Very much so. That's great. That's great. Is there one book or cons- that you consistently recommend you, or you give You cannot a ask me a question about books. Bro, one book you consistently no, give or I can recommend. Give you one dozen books. That- what's your what's your top two then? Top three. For who? That and you're I'll you're given. You. You're you're gifting a book. You're you're a leadership guy, you leadership development guy. Um, you know, what's one what's the what's the last Amazon order you sent to somebody else? Uh, strategic thinking, which is a really not strategic systems thinking, which is a really boring book for systems most thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I just fell asleep. In yeah, that title. yeah. You would. Uh, it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. Um, no, I would say one that I'm sending to leaders a lot right now, I'm going to give you like stuff in the last year. Okay. Uh, year or two. So that'd be like story brand, story brand, uh, Don Miller. Okay. And Why? Um, Power Moments, because StoryBrand really helps you frame out, um, you know, the story behind mm-hmm. your your ministry or, you know, the sub story uh, within your church. So, I mean, yeah. th- thinking about, you know, it's important to have vision clarity. Uh, how are we telling that? Yeah. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, if we look all around us, the people that we're currently buying products from are the people that are telling the best stories. Yeah. They're telling us a story that we see ourselves in. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So story brand. And power moments. Power moments by. Uh, Power of moments is by, I want to say Heath again, but that's not right. I don't think. That's fine. We'll put it in the show notes and they can, they can grab a link to it. Why, why power of moments? Uh, Power of moments. Definitely the author's influence on you. Is that definitely? No. It is, it's got a jar and like little fireflies on the cover. Okay. Sometimes I'm not great with, great with the, uh, um, you can give author. the book. Yeah. You just, don't. I'll give, um, Pink's got a new book. Daniel Pink's got a new Dude. book. When the art of perfect timing that I'm really enjoying, but I haven't started gifting. I just it listened to Daniel Pink on the, on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Yeah. Bro. I'm telling you, he's diesel. Anything Daniel Dude. Pink writes, Dude. pick it up. I'm having trouble getting. There's one question I asked this of my, of my 14 year old daughter yesterday. Okay. uh, About soccer tryouts and she's in that uh, you know having to work and get ready for tryouts. It is Heath. See, I was right. Good job. Uh, But it's only Chip Heath. It's not Chip and Dan Heath. Oh, it is Chip and Dan Heath. I didn't think I I didn't think they did anything. Apart. Apart. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I know they do. Hey, real quick though, that that Daniel Pink. Tim Ferriss podcast. Right. I asked my daughter, she's, you know, soccer tryouts and she's like, do I, don't I, she's real nervous about it. Right. She knows she's going to have a heavy load in high school. 
And I asked her, I said, on a scale of one to 10, where are you at in trying out for soccer as far as wanting to do this? And she said, I'm a six. And here's what I learned from those two guys. Here's what I asked her. I said, why are you not a four? And she goes, well, because I know it's important to be a part of a team. I know it's going to push me. You know, it's good for me, healthy. And so, and then all of a sudden she's like, let's go run, dad. So (laughs) just that flip, instead of asking why you're not an eight and having them paint the negative. Right. But asking why you're not a four provided motivation to take the next step. Bro, pink blew my mind or Ferris, one of the two of them. uh, Sometimes it is how you ask the question. It is all in how you ask the question. That's what that's what leadership is all about. It's not having the answers. All right, was it one more? It's knowing the questions. No, that's it, bro. Okay, cool. Thanks for being on. Todd yeah. Adkins. Anytime. Leadership guru. Anytime. I bet that was different than any other podcast you've done. Today. You know what? It's not. It's, it's not. not? No, no, it was. It was. <laughs> I promise. It was. No, I just You're meant different. You're the special. rabbit, the rabbit trails. I, yeah. We, I don't usually have someone. I love rabbit trails. Anybody who's listening up to this point right. and still hanging with us knows. And they're listening because of the rabbit trails, probably. Probably. It's just not often that I have someone who's willing to go run down the rabbit trails with me. I, right. Anytime, bro. I'm usually instigating the trail, uh, but having someone running with me is always better to have a running buddy. So it is. Thanks for being on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes, including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again for listening.